So you guys had a good Christmas? Did everybody get what they wanted? That you didn't? What did you want? Wow. I don't know where to go from there. I had a good Christmas. Um, so y'all know I've been talking about Christmas, and y'all know how I feel about Christmas. I love presents. I love giving presents. I love getting presents. I love everything about presents. I love wrapping presents. I love unwrapping presents. I love tearing paper off and making paper balls and throwing them at people. Once I hit Car- or Emerson in the face, actually, made her cry. True story. It's a Christmas party. It's what kind of dad I am. But I got an Xbox for Christmas, right? And I was like, yeah, Xbox for me. But 31, what? 31? What? Oh, I don't know. Because I'm 31 and my wife loves me. I bought Brandy presents. I got her some shoes. And a shirt and a bag, and they were all nice. Do you have your bag with you? Look at the bag I got, Brittany, for Christmas. Look. Everybody look. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? I picked that out all by myself. See, here's the thing about the Xbox, though. Here's the thing. Um, So I started playing it. We got recently Carson um, started liking Madden, which is my dream that my son would like playing Madden. So we got, I got an Xbox and I got Madden and me and Carson's been playing. And you know, playing with a five-year-old, it really puffs up your ego a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like it makes you feel good about your life. It makes you feel like you are the man. Like I can't be touched until I played online. So here's the thing. There are people out there that they don't work They probably don't go to school, and they sit on their couch and play Madden all day long. And I know this because I played someone online, and I thought I was really good. I thought, man, I've really got this. I'm the man. I I know how to read defenses. I can do all this stuff, and I'm going to be so awesome. I'm going to blow this guy out. And at the end of the game, it ended with the, the TV silent. And, of course, this guy has a headset so he can talk to me, which I don't have that. So he waited till the TV was silent because... The game was over, and he had whipped my tail already, and he said, yeah, bye-bye, you suck. Was it an adult or a kid? He was an adult. I wanted really bad. I wish I had a mic because I would have said, bye-bye, get a job and move out of your parents' basement, fatty. <laughs> Because I imagine that this man, he only sits in his basement. Listen, he doesn't work. He's probably 31 like me, but he sits in his basement. His controller's nasty because he eats cheese puffs all day long while he's playing Madden and Halo. And I'm angry about it. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. That guy was immediately my enemy. And I can't wait. I wish I knew his little gamer tag, whatever it's called. Because he's my enemy now. 
So here's the thing, um, and that's what we're going to be talking about, allies and enemies over the next couple weeks, um, fighting the war inside of you. Because if we look in Scripture, what we're going to find out that there's different things, there's different individuals, there's different aspects of your life, and it's within your life, and it's pulling at you, and it's tugging at you, playing tug of war with your hearts. Because you've got enemies out there who don't want you to serve Christ, who don't want you to live for God. But then on the other side, you've got allies that are rooting for you, that are on your team, that are on your side, and they want to see you succeed in God's name. And that's what we're going to learn over the next six weeks. We're going to look at three enemies and three allies that we have in our walk with Christ. Can anybody guess what number one is going to be? Satan. Our number one enemy is going to be Satan. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this uh, night. God, thank you for the Christmas um, season, God, and uh, keeping us all safe through Christmas and New Year's and, and bringing us back here. And God, I pray that you would just help us to kick off this new year in a big way, that we would kick it off to serve you and to honor you and glorify your name and everything that we say and do. And I pray that we'd learn something tonight and help us to grow uh, through what's going to be shared tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Allies and enemies. First Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to be. And here's the big idea of tonight, okay? We're talking about enemy number one, Satan. The big idea. Being firm in your faith is the greatest defense against enemy number one, the devil. All right, so I want you to understand that, that, that your biggest defense, your, your, the most important thing that you can do before we jump into this, the number one thing that I can ask you to do whenever we're talking about defending yourself against Satan is to stand firm in your faith. So 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to read verses 6 through 11. It says this. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Number one. Number one. I want you to understand this. God gives reason to follow his instruction in this text. Like, if you were to break it down, you've got a bunch of, like, cause and effects type things right here. He says, hey, do this because of this. Do this because of this. No, the first one, look at this. Um, he says, humble yourself. And that's because God will exalt you. Right? So we open up the scripture with God saying, listen, I want you to humble yourself because I want to exalt you. And if you look up the definition of exalt, it says this. And this was my favorite definition that I found. It says to promote somebody or something, to praise somebody or something. 
So literally, God's telling you here, listen, if you will humble yourself, if you will get rid of the pride in your life, if you will get rid of that prideful person that's within you and you will humble yourself, I'm going to elevate you to a level that you've never been before in Christ. Like, that's what he's saying right here. He says, listen, humble yourself because God will exalt you. See, the problem with this is that we're undisciplined. We're we're too undisciplined to drop our pride. We don't want to get rid of it because um, it feels good, right? Like, we like the way it looks. We like the way it smells. We like the way it tastes. We like every aspect of our pride because it feels good to us. It's like eating, eating healthy. How many of you think it's fun to eat healthy? Liars. Listen, if a salad is good, that means it's not healthy. Listen, I love me some salad filled with bacon bits and cheese and Thousand Island dress. This is not a healthy salad. Listen, I mean, get this. It's, it's similar to eating healthy. I know that it will benefit me to stay away from donuts, right? I know that that's a good idea for me to stay away from donuts, to stay away from Reese's, um, honey buns, strawberry cake with cream cheese icing on it, sweet tea, fried chicken, right? Um, bacon, sausage, gravy, biscuits, pancakes smothered with syrup and butter. Waffles with every single pocket filled with butter and syrup. Like that, that is my dream. You know what I'm saying? Like a massive table full of donuts and waffles and butter and syrup and bacon and sausage. Right? See, here's the thing. I know that all of that is bad for me and will eventually destroy my body as evidence right here, right? I continue to grow this way. It continues to probably affect my, um, my heart, my body, my health, right? It continues to destroy those things, but I'm unwilling to lay it down for celery sticks. Who wants to eat celery sticks when you can eat a donut? Right? No, nobody. Listen. Shh, shh. See, we're the same way with our pride. We're, we're not willing to lay it down because it looks so good. You see, but the problem is um, it continues to look good because the devil is feeding it to us. Like at that moment, at that very moment when I put a Krispy Kreme donut with chocolate glazed on it and sprinkles. It's the, I mean, heavenly, Right? At that very moment, it's so good. But later on, it's not going to have any lasting value. It's not going to fill me up. All it's going to do is break me down, right? And see, that's what Satan is doing to us. It slowly corrupts your, your Christian walk. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says this, Your words were found, and I ate them. I mean, get this. Literally, God says this. Your words were found, God, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and delight of my heart, for I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Get this. 
What happens if we put down that pride? What happens if we put down that nasty stuff that's destroying our bodies, that's destroying our walk with Christ, and we were to actually um, ingest the Word of God? If we were to take in the Word of God instead of taking in that junk. Did y'all see that bubble? That was a good one. Rocky would be jealous, right? But if we were to take the Bible and we were to to just take it into our bodies and and eat the Word, eat the Word of God in our lives and let it supplement our walk with Christ instead of being satisfied with the things that taste good at the moment but they have no lasting value in our walk with Christ. Like what happens what happens is, is you become more fit. You become stronger in God's word. You become able to handle those prideful situations when pride tries to creep in. You become able to, to see that moment and do something about it. Right? Look what else it says. Look what else it says. It says, give your anxieties to God because he cares. See, we get this one messed up all the time. Look at this. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says this. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for the Heavenly Father knows that you, will all, that you need all these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, worry, anxiety in our lives, it does nothing productive for us. Like, where does worry get you? What does worry give you? Um, Number one, it damages your health. It becomes the focus of all of your thoughts. How many of you ever had a situation where you're worried about something, and all day long, every day, you just think about that situation? Yeah. See, it does that to us. When we start worrying, when we start getting anxious about things, right? It negatively affects your attitude towards other. All right, be honest. Whenever you're worried about something, you've got something you're concerned about. How many of you become grumpy? I do, right? It affects how you treat others, how you talk to others. It reduces your ability to trust God. See, look at this. Satan feeds off Uh, worry because he knows that once you're at this point you are focusing on what you can do can't do you see this is where satan wants you remember we're talking about enemy number one satan and if satan has you at a place where you're constantly worrying about things you're constantly fighting anxiety over things then he has you right where you he wants you because you're no longer focused on god you're focused on me and you're saying this is what i can't do this is what i can't afford this is what i'm incapable of instead of saying look what god can do in my life Listen, that was important. Did you get that? When you worry about things, you're taking your eyes off of God and you're putting them on yourself and saying, I can't do that. And Satan sees that. See, Satan doesn't like whenever, whenever um, you know, Ken's laying in a surgery room thinking, all right, God's got this. Right? Like it's a lot more advantageous for Satan whenever Ken's worrying about it and Ken's concerned about it and Peyton's worried about it and and Jamie's worried about it. Like what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How can we make this work when in all actuality it's not even about you? 
It's about God, and what you've done is taking your eyes off God, and you're telling Satan, come on, let's do this. Right? You see, you've got to understand your enemy. And God tells you, give your anxieties to me because I care about you. Like, stop worrying about so much stuff. God says, hey, stop worrying so much about school. Right? Like, don't get me wrong, I don't believe in that whole idea that, you know, I can go home and, and play Xbox and text my girlfriend all night and not study, but hey, God's got my back, I'll make an A on the test. No. Right? Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, I can't go to work tomorrow and then just sit there and play on the computer all day and think, well, I don't have to do my work, God's got this. You know? Like, you got to do your part, you know what I'm saying? But listen, when you're in tough situations, stop worrying so much. Stop taking your eyes off God and putting them on yourself because you can't do it. What about the next one? He says to be sober-minded because the devil is seeking to destroy you. Like being sober means to be spiritually steadfast, to have self-control. Like don't let Satan... Um, have an opportunity because he's always ready to pounce on you. I love this illustration. It always takes me back to Lion King. I think I've gone here before, but stay with me. Some of you may not have heard it. How many of y'all remember Lion King? Y'all watched the movie Lion King? It was a good movie. I like that movie. But y'all remember whenever, uh, you know, he takes uh, Simba out and they're kind of walking and he gives him a lesson on pouncing. You remember in the bird, what's that bird's name? Uh, Wazoo. Wazoo. Right? Uh, so, so Wazoo's sitting on the rock. Zazu. Zazu's sitting on the rock and he's, and he's giving him the news. And he's like, you know, and he turns around and he's like, where'd you go? And then he says, oh no, because he knows, right? And what's the lesson he teaches him? You know, get down low, wait for the perfect opportunity. Like, how many of you think that, like, you're out? Okay, stay with me. Imagine lions can talk, okay? We're going to actually imagine lions can talk. So this lion, and he's hunting the zebra. There's a lot of zebra out in the field. And this lion um, trots out to the field, and he goes up to the zebra, and, and Red Dog's the zebra, and he says, Hey, Mr. Zebra, I'm going to give you a head start because I'm going to hunt you, and then I'm going to eat you, okay? going to count to ten. One. Like, no, that's not how that works, right? You see, if you watch, like, National Grid, I mean, you've ever watched those shows where, like, the lion's stalking animals? Like, raise your hand if you absolutely love watching a lion. <laughs> I do. I think it's awesome. It's the best. And then Brandy's like, turn it off, that's all fam. <laughs> I'm like, that's life. <laughs> Right? See, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just like that lion, Satan's doing the same thing for you. Satan's not going to approach you and say, hey, um, just so you know, um, Tanner. I'm not going to embarrass you, Peyton. Tanner, just to let you know, this is your weak spot, and you're about to do something really stupid, and then I'm going to ruin Is it working? Right? Like Satan doesn't do that. He waits for that moment. He waits for that 
that mere second and, and he's laying in the grass and he's hiding and he's waiting for you to put your guard down. He's waiting for you to say, no, I wouldn't do this. I don't have to worry about it. I'm strong enough to handle this temptation. I'm strong enough to handle this situation. I wouldn't do that. I got this on my own. And he waits on you to put your guard down and then he attacks. You see, and it may taste good. It may feel good at first. It may seem good at the moment. But Satan's trying to destroy your life. You see that? But a lot of times we treat it like a game. And we think it's a joke. It's okay. My parents will bail me out. Right? Like, that's not how life works, guys. That's not how life goes all the time. Like, your parents can't bail you out all the time. Oh, here's a, a good illustration to show you this. <laughs> I forgot about this. Me and Carson, we've spent, he's going to be six in February, so I can say that we've spent about five years and 11 months perfecting our skill of scaring people. And we practice on each other all the time. And I'm proud of him, man. He's gotten good at this. He will scare you to death, right? If you give him an opportunity. And he's patient, too. Like one day, I remember Brandy was like brushing her teeth or something in the bathroom and she was getting ready for bed and Carson literally stood at the door like this. I mean, for like five minutes. Like what five-year-old stands there for five minutes and he waited for that perfect moment for her to come out and he goes, Pah! right? <laughs> like how awesome is that? You see, Satan has spent a lifetime perfecting this and we think that we can dodge it, but you can't. So God's telling us right here, listen, be sober-minded. Like, like have self-control. Be steadfast. Be diligent in your walk with Christ. But then, listen to this. He says, be strong in trials because you're not alone. James 1 Two through four says this, Consider it pure joy, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works, work so that you may be, may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Like when you go through trials, when you go through hard times, when you go through situations that maybe they don't seem fair, maybe they seem hard, maybe they seem difficult, Understand that, hey, God told you that this was going to happen. And God said, I'm right here with you, man. I got your back. But then look at the last one. Make it to the end because the reward is worth it. Like over and over we see in Scripture where uh, Scripture parallel, parallels life with, with running a race. I remember when I was in high school, I ran track. And, um, and I worked really hard at it. Uh, I was really good. I could run fast, you know. Um, my junior year, we had a relay team, and, and we finished third in the state. You know, we could, we could run. 
But I remember running the 400 meters, and to me, the 400 meters was just the, the cruelest race on your body because it's long distance, but it's a sprint. And I remember that every single time I would run that race, it didn't matter how in shape I was, right? I would puke at the end of it. Dead serious, every time. And it's like, why would you do that? Why would you put your body through that every single time you run this race? You, you do that to your body to the point where you throw up. You, you put your body to the point of exhaustion to where you throw up on a daily basis to run this race. And my idea was that the reward was worth it. So why can't I look at Scripture if I claim to follow Christ, if I claim to believe the Word of God is the inerrant Word of God, why can't I look at this when he says, hey, this is a race, finish that race. Why can't I push myself to exhaustion? Like, why do we quit? Why do we, why do we stop? God says, hey, be strong, make it to the end. But then notice this about understanding Satan. Number two, God and Satan are not equal. Think about popular movies. Like what, if you watch a good movie, if you watch a good TV show, usually there's some sort of conflict that happens, right? And usually that's because there's a bad guy and there's a good guy. Um, and typically their powers are about the same. Actually, usually the bad guy's a little bit stronger, um, but the good guy prevails at the end because it's good drama and stuff. And he's got a good heart and he tries really hard and he's almost as strong as the bad guy. So he ends up beating him, right? Like, that's what good movies look like. Um, well, this situation, this Bible situation, is it like that? Because um, in case you didn't know, God created Satan. <laughs> See, but here's the problem. Here's why it's such a conflict in our lives. Because we get in our minds, we, we in our heads, we lift Satan, we raise Satan up to a point where he's even with God. Right? Whenever something's going on in your life, if you're completely honest, you would admit that a lot of times whenever something's going on in your life, you look at Satan and you're like, man, he really got me this time. Or how many of you ever hear those prayer requests or those, uh, you know, those, those situations at church where people stand up and they give a testimony, right? And they say, Satan's really been on me this week, Right? Like, stop making Satan even with God, because he's not, and we know that God wins. God already defeated Satan through Jesus Christ on the cross, but we continually, on a daily basis, take our eyes off God, and we look at our problems whenever Satan is not equal to God. You see, the truth is you are allowing Satan to stay in the fight by removing God from the battlefield. And then the last thing, and then we're done. Understand your enemy to stand strong in your faith. If any of you play sports, if any of you do anything, you know you have to understand your enemy if you want to win. Like, that's why you do game planning, and that's why you watch film. Like, if you want to make an A on the test, you have to understand the literature. You have to understand the questions on the test. You study that stuff. Look at this. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, 
against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. You see, we constantly have these battles and things, and, and what we do is we, we elevate Satan and make him appear as strong as God, and then we blame each other for our problems. We like to point fingers. Right? You're not battling me. Like these things in your life, that's not a battle between you and your parents. These situations that you go through, that's not a battle between you and your friends, you and your boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, like this is a, a spiritual battle that's going on in your life, and you've got to understand your enemy. And our number one enemy is Satan. And just like that lion, he, he's seeking to destroy you. He's seeking to pounce you, and he's waiting at that right opportunity, that right moment. And he's just going to jump you. So my question for you tonight is, are, are you going to be ready? What are you going to do to make yourself ready? What are you going to do to make sure that, hey, I'm prepared for whatever uh, life throws at me? I'm prepared for whatever thing that Satan wants to throw at me. Because here's the thing. Um, if Satan wants to attack Megan, Satan has to go to God and say, hey, God. Can I have permission to mess with Megan? <laughs> right? And some of you are like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would God say yes? Because God knows that you can handle it through him. So the next time you have a trial in your life, the next time you have a situation going on in your life and you feel like it's a tug of war, um, look for God because God's somewhere and Satan's somewhere tugging on you. And if you will just go towards God because he's your ally and run from Satan, your number one enemy. Everybody lock up. God, we thank you once again um, for being there for us, for supporting us, for taking care of us. Um, for loving us and, and, and just giving us hope. And God, I pray, Lord, as we you know, go our separate ways tonight, God, I pray that uh, you'd be with each and every one of these students as they start the second half of their school year, um, that you'd give them strength and, and that you'd give them courage and uh, boldness to stand up and and do what's right, and, and live a life that glorifies you, even though it's probably not the most popular thing to do, even though it's probably not the prettiest thing to do, or the most manly thing to do, according to our, our culture and our standards. But God, I pray that they would look to you for guidance, and that they would uh, look to you for, for wisdom, especially when it comes to our number one enemy, Satan. God, I pray that we'd keep our eyes peeled. I pray that we would never let down our guard, that uh, we would always um, you know, strive to please you and, and honor you in everything we say and do. And God, I pray that you'd just be with us this week, bring us back Sunday for, for Sunday school and for church, and uh, you know, just minister in our lives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.